Chapter 31 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2 by Arthur L. Havers. Chapter 31 the life of john cartwright a thief this unhappy young man was born in yorkshire of a tolerable family who had been sufficiently careful in having him instructed in whatever was necessary for a person of his condition breeding him up to all works of husbandry in general and also qualifying him in every respect for a gentleman's service in one of which capacities they were in hopes he would not find it difficult to get his bread he lived with several persons in the country with unspotted reputation until at last a whim came into his head of coming up to london an uncle of his procured him a very good service with one mr Sharvin, a mercer in the paternoster road with whom he stayed for some time with great satisfaction on both sides for his master was highly pleased with the careful industry of the young man's temper and cartwright on the other side had not the least reason to complain considering the great kindness and indulgence with which he was used but some young fellows of loose principles taking notice of cartwright's easy and tractable temper quickly drew him into becoming fond of their company and conversation every other sunday he was permitted to go out where he would until nine o'clock at night and these young fellows meeting at a fine alley-house not far from his master's house whither they begin to bring yorkshire john as they called him there they usually ran over the description of the diversions of the town and of those places round it which are most remarkable for the result of the company these were new scenes to poor john who was unacquainted with any representation better than a puppet show or recreation of a superior nature to bull-baitings at a country fair and therefore his thoughts were extremely taken up with all he heard and his companions were so obliging that they took abundance of pains to satisfy such questions as he asked them and were often soliciting him to go and partake with them at plays dancing bouts and all the various divertisements to which young unthinking youths are addicted he wanted not many entreaties to comply with their request but money the main ingredient in such delights was wanting and of this he at last acknowledged the deficiency to one of the young men his companions this fellow took no notice of it at that time further than to wish he had more and to tell him that a young man of his spirit ought never to be without and that there were ways and means enough to get it if a man had not as much cash as courage he repeated these insinuations often without explaining them at all until frequent stories of the fine sights at the theatres and elsewhere had so far raised poor john's curiosity that one evening he entreated his companion to let him into the bottom of what he meant the cunning villain turned it at first into a jest and continued to banter him about his being a country put and so forth until he perceived it was past twelve o'clock and knew that it was too late for him to get in at home then he told him that if he promised never to reveal it 
he would tell him what he meant john being full of liquor swore he would not and the other replied why here you stand complaining of the want of money while i warrant you there's a hundred or two pounds in your master's drawer under the counter maybe there may said cartwright but what's that to me nay replied the other nothing if you have not the courage to go and fetch it why now you can get in i'm sure come i'll put you in a way of never being taken cartwright who was half drunk remembered that there was a parcel of gold in the drawer and that it was in his power to get at a silver watch and some plate so that he fatally yielded to the temptations of his companion and thereupon the next morning conveyed to him the watch fourscore pounds in money and three silver spoons they shared the greatest part of the booty of which cartwright was quickly cheated and though he fled with the remainder as far as monmouthshire in wells yet some way or other he was there detected committed prisoner to the country gaol and then sent up to london where a few days after his arrival he was tried and convicted never poor wretch suffered deeper affliction than he did in the reflection of his follies for giving up all hopes of life he spent the whole interval of time between sentence and execution in grieving for the sorrows he had brought upon himself and the stain his ignominious death would leave upon his family his companion in the meantime was fled far enough out of the reach of justice so that cartwright had nothing to expect but death to which he patiently submitted acknowledging upon all occasions the justice of that sentence which had befallen him and wishing that his death might be sufficient to warn other young men in such circumstances as his once were from falling into faults of that kind which had brought him to ruin and shame yet though he laid aside all desires relating to worldly things he yet expressed a little peevishness from the neglect shown towards him by his friends in the country who though they knew well enough of his misfortunes yet they absolutely declined doing anything for him from a notion perhaps that it might reflect upon themselves above all things cartwright manifested a due sense of the ingratitude he had been guilty of towards so good a master as the gentleman whom he robbed had been to him he therefore prayed for his prosperity even with his last breath and declared he died without malice or ill-will against any person whatsoever at the place of his execution he attended very devoutly to the prayers but did not say anything to the people more than to beg of them to take warning by him after the rope was fixed about his neck he was executed at tyburn on monday the twenty-first of september seventeen twenty six being then about twenty-three years of age a remarkable instance of how far youth even of the best principles is liable to be corrupted if they are not carefully watched over and may justify those restraints which parents and masters from a just apprehension of things put upon their children or servants End of chapter 31